And certainly in that crisis situation, fast moving, you don't control all the levers and so on. Um, and so having those kind of drills where you're able to get people, get the team together, um, understand what the problem is, focus on what the mission is and find a new way of moving towards the mission. Hello, and welcome to the Helping Organisations Thrive podcast. This is your host, Julian Roberts. This podcast is to provide leaders with insights, discussions, and robust strategies to help their companies thrive. We'll be interviewing business leaders, owners, experts, and thought leaders in the field of business resilience. Do enjoy the episode. Welcome to Helping Organisations Drive. Uh, today, I have the pleasure of David Bramble on the show. Uh, good afternoon to you, David. Good afternoon, Julian. Great to be here. Yeah, good to have you on the show. You've got over 30 years of experience in the military and commercial operations, and you've brought organisations and teams through experiences of challenges of the Gulf War and fight against Ebola in uh, Sierra Leone. Uh, you successfully achieved major organizational and cultural transformations in the army and for organizations in the commercial sector too, and delivered a record levels of operational performance, financial benefits, uh, customer experience, and higher team engagement, achieving all these concurrently. Uh, wealth of experience, um, and because we're talking about exploring crisis management leadership today, which I think it's great to have somebody from uh, an ex sort of military background uh, and how we anticipate and how we prepare for crisis and we're, we're going to get in that for a moment but before we get there uh, David I want to ask you uh, what do you love about what you do? Oh great question uh, Julian I mean what what I love um, is uh, right now what I love about what I do is the variety of working with uh, interesting new problems bringing a new perspective um, and finding uh, new solutions. And it's really exciting. That's fantastic. It's always good to be passionate about things, isn't it? Um, yeah, it is. It is. And if you and if that thing you're, you're passionate about can be your work, that's a real kind of win-win, I think. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you on that one. Um, so we're talking about crisis management today um, and feels like, oh, crisis. feels like quite a negative thing. But... For you, um, from your background and from your experience, what is, what is crisis management? Um, well, I mean, it's interesting. The the um, uh, I think the Oxford English Dictionary word of the year is permacrisis uh, for twenty twenty two, and uh, I think we have you know that will all that will resonate with all of us. And for me, I mean, what what is crisis management? Well, first of all, I think what is a crisis, and it, it, it it's got to have there are a couple of elements for me, about what a crisis is. One is there must be jeopardy. There must be a bad outcome, um, uh, whether that's for a personal personal crisis or, or in business or national security or whatever it is. So there must be jeopardy. But also it's something that you can't cope with, with your normal structures and resources. And so crisis management is the business of responding to that situation, somewhere where there's jeopardy, you can't handle it with normal processes um, uh, and um, bringing other resources, other processes to bear in order to be able to respond to that crisis in a pos positive way. So jeopardy, there was a quid show, wasn't there, called Jeopardy, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so how do we, in an organisation... 
define sort of jeopardy? How do you define crisis? Because I would say that could be quite a subjective thing as opposed to an objective thing. And how do you make it objective that we know this is deemed as a crisis, this is deemed as jeopardy, as just like you've, and we have to go outside our normal processes? How do you do that well, in an organisation? I mean, I suppose one route into that is kind of in in through our approach to risk management. I'm, uh, um, we might want to explore that a bit a bit more deeply. But you know, that jeopardy could take many forms. So you know, in business, it might be financial. Um, uh, and you know, we're going to lose X amount. We're not going to hit our. It's going to hit the share price, or um, uh, we're you know we're going to become insolvent or whatever. Um, uh, uh, it might be around reputation. Um, I've been working for almost all of this year with organisations in and around Ukraine, um, and I'll be going back to Moldova in a couple of days' time. Um, and um, you know, there are dimensions which are about their business and their reputation, but but fundamentally, what most of those clients are concerned with is the safety of their people. Um, so it's a multi-dimensional. Um, uh, you know, I can't give you one thing that says this, you know, it's financial or it's reputation or it's legal or whatever. Um, uh, it might be many of those things. And I think really important is to be able to recognize that this is a crisis that we're in so that you can start to respond effectively as rapidly as possible and not and not let yourself drift into a crisis. And when we, we recognize there is there's a crisis and i'd like to get draw in some of your experience perhaps when you were in, in the gulf war um which for me feels like a crisis environment um and probably for you it there's probably some normality to that and then there was crisis how do we i suppose galvanize and bring people without that word crisis sounds very there's a lot of um, emotion behind it and can create all sorts of things going in people's heads that could cause the crisis to become either worse or very difficult to handle. How do we encapsulate that in a way that, yes, flag to people there is a serious situation of potential jeopardy or whatever that might be, but we need to obviously handle this. How do we balance that? Uh, I think I don't think we need to be too shy about call, about using the word um a crisis or indeed or emergency or um you know one you know quite a quite emotive um a quite emotive word um uh you're you're right you know the 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 military you know fighting wars is what they do so they almost aren't crises um but but crises emerge within them um uh and so in you know my experience with my troop of 50 soldiers in the first gulf war um uh you know you have a vehicle that breaks down well i can't i still need to achieve my mission 25 percent of my vehicles are now not working what am i going to do well you need to get all hands to the pump and recognize that this is something that is taking us out of our normal operating pattern and that we need to operate differently and it's important that people recognize that um uh, I mean, in, a, in my military context, we wouldn't have used the word crisis or emergency in that. We'd have just said, right, you know, that's broken down. You two stay and fix it. You wait, get in there, and we're going to crack on with the mission. Um, there's a danger if you get too shy of using emotive language that you kind of patronise the people um, uh, around you. And certainly my experience with clients in Ukraine 
is is they have some of them have really struggled to have a grown up conversation with their people. We might we might get into that a bit more deeply later on. So, just going back to the to the military, um, obviously breaking down, and because obviously that was going to impact your mission. Um, obviously, that that's clearly an issue, and you had to resolve it. And you say you don't use the word crisis or emergency in in military. What what, what would you use for a scenario which is I mean, outside have, the normal Japanese um, time? I that's really interesting. I, I just I don't think we'd, we'd I don't think we'd use a word. If this would just be this is the problem we've got we've faced. This is what we're going to do about it. Um and um. You know, we would we would have really slick drills. Um, so if the, if the plan has to change, I suppose the point is the situation's changed. Not going to be able to achieve my mission on the current plan, so the plan has to change. And so recognizing that moment, and then using a kind of series of drills the army would use. So you know, I would get together the command group of my troop, um, and uh, you know that's the you know the team of people who who are the decision makers and the and the leaders um, of the different elements within the troop get them together, explain uh, explain the problem, and maybe find out what the problem really is. And um, you know, all I know is we've got a problem, but I don't quite know what it is. So get those people together, get that information, so we've got a shared understanding. Um, and in the military, it would be you'd, you know it would be around having um, you know having a drill, um, uh, and what that drill did was get the right people in the right place to ask the right questions. Um, and I think that fundamentally the there's a there's a kind of myth of over planning um, that you can plan for everything. You know, we all know failing to plan is planning to fail. So you should plan and plans are important, but they're probably not going to they're not what what you do is very rarely exactly what you planned. And certainly in that crisis situation, fast moving, you don't control all the levers and so on. Um, and so having those kind of drills where you're able to get people, get the team together, um, understand what the problem is, focus on what the mission is and find a new way of moving towards the mission. Um, and that to me, that's the difference between, I use the word respond quite a lot. Um, and, you know, what is the difference between respond and react? And I'm not, I, you know, I, I think, you know, by definition, I'm not sure there really is. But when I use them, you know, a reaction is something that you're, is almost instinctive, you're kind of forced into. And a, and a response is a, is a more deliberate, considered and intentional reaction, which moves you in a direction you want to move. So rather mm-hmm. than just away from danger or, or, or towards danger, you know, rather than sort of instinctive reaction it's a re- response is a more considered mm. more positive um uh and and that is a really key element is to be focusing on responding rather than reacting now that only i mean you know you need to define what you mean by those two kind of words they, they mm. mean a different thing to me and and in the military and you say you don't use the word crisis how does people know there's a serious situation is it because you employ these drills is that how um, it's flat uh, yeah well one of the um uh so there's a there's a decision making process that's taught in certainly in british military doctrine and throughout nato 
um, called the command estimate. Um, and you ask a series, it says they ask a series of questions. Um, and question number four in this list is, has the situation changed? Um, so it's, you know, what is the, what is the enemy doing? Um, uh, what does my commander want to me achieve? What resources have I got and, and, and freedoms and so on? But, but, but has the situation changed? Um, and, and that's one of the, um, you know, military culture, one of the phrases that is often used is, oh, well, this feels like a question for a moment. Um, the situation is different from the one we'd anticipated. And what that might mean is that my mission isn't relevant anymore. Um, uh, and and recognising that, but still being able to do something positive, that they're so not pointlessly capturing the hill, which is no longer relevant, um, but equally not just doing nothing because capturing the hill is not relevant anymore. You know, what is it that I could do that is a positive step in the direction that the organisation needs, um, you know, needs to go? So understanding not just, um, you know, that superficial um, uh, being given orders, I obey the orders, but understanding the intention behind them. What is it we're trying to achieve? What effect have I got to create that's going to move the whole organisation towards that bigger, um, that bigger goal. And as a good friend of mine, Anna Turvey, um, who's a magnificent um, a Paralympian uh, skier, um, and and she uses a little power of three to talk about uh, um, resilience. So she's talking about individual resilience, but I think it translates. And her little mnemonic is is dream, team, routine. Um, and so the dream for me in that context we've just been talking about is what's the what's the aim? What what are we trying to achieve? What if you like? What is the the what is the mission for the organisation? Not just my task. What's the mission mm. for the organisation? That's the dream. Uh, the team. Who are the people I need who understand the problems we're facing, um, uh, and can control the resources and coordinate and synchronise them? Mm. And what um, and then that routine is having a having a uh, a a drill which you might create really quickly, but having a having a rhythm, having a routine, um, so people know when are we going to talk again? When's the next time we're coming back? What have I got to do by when? Um, uh, and so on. So creating that routine. Um, so dream team routine, I think, is part of that. And I think when I look back at the military, um, you know, we had. Um, uh, you know, great military manuals about um, how 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 to do this, um, but Anna has kind of encapsulated it for me in those three words: dream, team, routine. I like that. I really like that. It's really good, actually. Um, and and just going, we talked earlier on about how you know mentioned it, the emotiveness of crisis actually is really helpful in a situation. Um, a, I'd like you to talk a bit what why that's really helpful and how do we stop sort of hairs running, I guess, but also. In your context of working with in Ukraine, how that's perhaps not been either flagged properly or, or communicated well, and just just talk a bit more about that, really. Well, um, yeah. So one example, one of my clients. Um, so we were, I was in Kiev on the twenty fourth of February um, when the war started, um, and we, the team I was with, we had to rapidly relocate ourselves to Romania in order that we can be in a place where we can be safe and support. Um, our clients' people, um, and um, uh, there were a number of them who were so in Ukraine, just carrying on with their jobs. 
And I was talking with the crisis management team who were based in the, in the United States, in the UK, uh, uh, in Poland, um, and so on. And they were, and it is amazing, they were really proud and, and quite emotional about this, you know, um, woman getting on with her job in Ukraine. I thought that's fantastic. Um, but there's a problem that I need these people to move. We, we genuinely believed Kiev was about to be encircled. And there were people in Kiev who we could get out, but they were nervous about moving. And they were frightened of a journey um, uh, and so on. And the expression was used, it's great that they're getting on with their job because it's taking their mind off this awful situation. And I said, I don't want their mind taken off it. I need them to understand the severity of the situation that they are in so that they are making informed decisions. We can't, we can't order them to move, but if we don't let them focus on the situation they're in we're disempowering them um, and that's either because we're not sharing information about the severity of risks or the or, or our ability to help um and so that's what i mean when i say there's a danger of becoming a bit patronizing if you if you mm. try and avoid the emotive language um and you know you've got to treat people with adults and if there genuinely is danger and that, and that might be, you know, if there's in, in a commercial organisation, there's real risk to people's jobs. You know, I believe, you know, you should be honest with people about mm. that. No, I'm not, um, you know, you should be honest. You shouldn't exaggerate it and try and scare them into working harder for you. And isn't that great? And it's mm. not a healthy environment. People are frightened for their jobs. But if people realise, you know, we need to pull together here. This is a real problem. And my sister-in-law has a pub. You know, COVID was a massive challenge. Mm. Um, and getting that team of you know, her team to pull together, especially when they came out and were able to have people in outdoors, that was really, really hard work. Mm. Um, and new ways of doing things and getting them to pull together to understand if we don't make this work, I might not be able to make my business survive. And I, you know, I don't want that to happen. Um, but I can't give you a job if I don't, if I fail. Um, so being having a grown up conversation, I think, is really, um, mm. you know, really important. Yeah, I was just going to ask in terms of the the role of of leadership in how we communicate that we're in a crisis and there's some sort of sense of uh, jeopardy uh, in this scenario, and then so sort of from fly, sort of I suppose flagging it and, and creating that sort of sense of seriousness, but. How do we then manage that through with people? How do we take people through that without them feeling like your scenario, they're going to lose their job and fear and all those things, which can, again, create the wrong actions and behaviours, yeah. unfortunately. So, so how do we, A, instill yeah, sure. that right motivation, but also manage that through in a way that keeps people sort of level-headed appropriately? Um, and, and that, you know, for ultimately, I think that the key to this starts long before you get in a crisis um, and it is in having strong, effective relationships with your people. Now, you know, we at the top of the show, you, you know, you ask what I love about what I do, and I do love what I do. But there are people who just come to work to pay a check um, and who aren't passionate about your company. And they don't, you know, that's fine. They've got other things in their lives they're passionate about. Um, but you still need them to focus and understand, you know, I'm asking quite a lot of you right now. And this is why uh, I am asking it. Um, but also, 
there is a you know while recognizing the the you know the jeopardy in the situation the severity of the problem and the challenges that we're facing it is important um to be enthusiastic and energetic and um to 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 show people that you are confident even if sometimes you're not quite and that's a tricky thing um but that you are confident we can get through this we can succeed we can um you know it will pass and we will come out of this stronger um maybe we'll come out of it different and um uh, uh you know maybe you know, who knows there'll be changes it's not it's not we're not you know response and recovery are important parts of managing a crisis and they to me are all about moving forward it's not about how do i get back to where i was how do I move forward to where I need to be, uh, which might be the same as it as it was before the crisis, but, it, but it, then again, it might not. Um, and um, you know, the, the, those relationships, you know, they've got to be built on trust, and that's why that's for me where that tension. If you're, you know, sometimes when you're a little bit worried and not completely confident, it, it feels dishonest to mm. to portray confidence. That you perhaps don't fear, don't feel. Um, uh, but I still think that you know that it, it is valuable that if you if people know you're doing your utmost, um, uh, that there is a sound plan that they understand and they know what they're trying to achieve within it and what it and what the plan is trying to achieve, and mm. um, that we're doing our best to get all the resources that people um, uh, um, need. Um, and it comes back to you know, back in the military and the principles of war, one of which is the maintenance of the maintenance of morale and people feeling, you know, confident and able to go forward and um that that what they what they're trying to do is worthwhile and mm. valuable. Yeah, I mean, but <clears throat> I had a crisis one in an organization where we had uh, a number of people in our factories were striking, um, which was impacting the, our products. Basically, we were running out of our products we could sell to our customers uh, and that went on for about four or five weeks so major crisis major impacts and i found one of the ways to handle the morale and everything else that was going on uh, was i held sort of end up being daily meetings um with the various key people and and, and that at times like weekly it got a bigger meeting bigger team smaller and, and, be, and that communication a in person allowing people to vent their challenges their frustrations but also i was very honest at times i didn't know the answers or you know been, you know i'd get back to people and just that com continual communication and also by email and everything else helped that somebody was on it we're moving forward it's not great but this is how we're handling it and that yeah what are the ways have you found when you get into that crisis what else can we do to really help keep that morale going keep us going forward and, and keep us in a place where we're still making progress um well i mean there is a, a sort of um uh, an expression um called leadership by walking around and being seen and being visible is you know is important that um uh you know people are wired differently and and um you know there are people who are really really good at managing business as usual who, who i mean and i don't want to sort of devalue those they're really important skills um 
uh, of you know understanding the data, um, uh, building plans to the nth degree that really, really you know work quickly and s- smoothly and you know efficiently. Um, but those the character traits that make someone or whatever the personality traits, whatever they are, the skills that come together to build to give someone expertise in that area can often be um, make make them poorly equipped to handle a crisis. They're not comfortable with ambiguity. They they don't like making decisions when there's not enough information. Um, uh, they don't like winging it. Um, and so getting the right leadership, getting people who are comfortable in that, in that, with that kind of, um, you know, the chaos of crisis, um, you know, is important. I mean, you know, there's, there is, um, you know, military, I remember doing a, um, uh, it was an exercise, but there were real bullets being fired and they're coming over our heads, about two meters above our heads. And the machine gun that's firing these is, which is fixed. So we're safe, but it's, it's getting hot and the barrel is melting and the bullets are getting closer. One of my section commanders ran past and said, oh, don't worry about it, sir. It's more realistic. Um, and then we all laughed. Um, and it was, that was important, you know, that I had to have that, you know, we, we, you know actually, do you know what? It, it is a bit more realistic. We're still very safe. I am going to get them to stop firing that machine gun. Um, but, um, you know, the human moments and humour is, you know, is really important. And sometimes that humour might be a bit sort of gallows humour. Um, and particularly in a military context, um, and and it might not be very politically correct, um, and you've got to be really careful, you know, with that. And you know, people from my background, we talk about you know, swearing like a trooper is is an expression, isn't it? And mm. I'm obviously not swearing now. I think I've succeeded, <laughs> um, uh, but um, uh, you know, in different contexts, that language is not appropriate. And finding a way of bringing humour and and human contact that what that our our discussion isn't just about the problem, isn't mm. just about work, but is about us as people as well. Mm. Um, and doing that in the way that is context respectful of the context that you're in, mm. um, you know, is really important. Yeah, I think as any crisis, any situation, we've got to take stock of. We've got people and be mindful of uh, it's a people game as much as anything else. You can strategize, no stuff, but actually it's the people thing. And I think bringing humor into it is uh, really helpful. It lightens the load, lightens the, the sort of sense of, don't take the seriousness away from it all, but it just relaxes yeah. people a little bit. And that's important. Uh, just before we finish, what what sort of I suppose, things we have to think about if we're, like I was preparing and, and anticipating a crisis situation, as in before we even get there, what sort of things should we put in place? I guess uh, as a, as a leadership. Well, I mean, we well, you know we said earlier on, you know, failing to plan is planning to fail, um, uh, and we should plan, but but plans aren't going to solve everything. And I love it's a brilliant quote from that great um, business guru Mike Tyson, who says everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth, and. Um, and that kind of recognizes that the plan's not going to be quite, it's not going to, it, it, it's not going to work like your plan says it's going to work. Um, and you need to be able to adjust that plan on the hoof. And, and to me, I mean, fundamental thing that every organization should do 
for to make it a nicer place to work, um, uh, to make it a more successful organization, to make it more resilient, is focus on the building those relationships mm. um, where people genuinely trust. And I don't, you know, that that team building is a bit sneered at. Um, I, you know, we go here walking for a day. What's the point of that? Well, you know, there are really imaginative ways of building trust within an organization. And that has got to be the fundamental thing. And then understanding uh, what are the, you know, where is our jeopardy? What are the things that are going to be bad for us? Who are the people I want to get in the room? What are the questions I need? Um, uh, we need to ask each other. And it's perfectly acceptable as the leader to say, what's the problem? What are we going to do? You don't have to come in with all the answers. In fact, yeah, I don't think you should. Mm. Um, and so I'm practicing that. Um, uh, you know, so that, so that, you know, you do get people, um, used to the idea that business as usual is fine when it's usual, but things will change. Um, and that makes for a more dynamic, more resilient organization. If you focus on the relationships, a better place to work, Mm. uh, and, and a, and a more fun, engaging, you know, and maybe some of those people who just turn up for the paycheck might actually start to love it. <laughs> who knows? Indeed, and I, and I think yeah, making organisations more more resilient uh, by being ready to adapt and be agile uh, is is really important because as you say you might have a plan, but it's never going to go to plan as such. And uh, being able to, uh, I suppose, adapt accordingly uh, in a way and have that mindset that things may change. Um, I really enjoyed our conversation, uh, David. Thank you for the insights. I love the sort of uh, military uh, analogies and the, the real life experience that you've got there. Appreciate that. Um, if people are interested in, in what you've just talked about or want to connect with you, uh, what's the best way of doing that? So the best way is almost certainly LinkedIn. Um, uh, so they can see my, you've spelt my name correctly and it's on the little banner under my uh, video. Uh, so David Brambell, Bramble is pronounced, but spelt Brambell, find me on LinkedIn. Um, uh, or Capo Consulting Limited is, is my company that I operate as an independent consultant, helping organizations prepare and respond to just the kind of crises we've been talking about. Brilliant. Well, thank you for your time today, David. Not at all. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. If you do like this episode, then please do rate, review and share with your friends and colleagues. As a coaching practice, we coach high performing leaders and teams with extreme ambitions. We'll help you to go beyond what you believe is possible. If this sounds like you, then let's have a conversation with me. Contact me at julianrobertsconsulting.com. Mm-hmm.